Welcome once again to Ask. This is where you ask questions and we answer them. I'm Pastor Jamie of Cornerstone Church, and today you're not going to want to miss it. We have when should someone think about leaving a church? We have also, uh, well, a story about the Gibeonites. We'll get there. And lastly, a question about Old Testament times. Could someone who wasn't Jewish be a believer? Awesome question. So stay tuned for Ask. Okay, well, on Ask, we always film when I need my haircut. So there you go. Um, okay, so first question is, when should someone think about leaving their church? Um, hopefully you're not thinking about leaving our church. Um, but, but it's a, a really good question. I think people do take it a little bit too lightly. If you've committed to a local body, a local church, at some point in the past, and you're serious to that, you should take it seriously. And you shouldn't just be like, eh, I'm bored. Eh, I'm not feeling it anymore. Like, there should be a real good substantial reason, I believe. Um, you're certainly free to do it, but it, it, if a lot of times people jump from church to church because they have baggage they're not dealing with and they're projecting it on the church. Um, so be careful because if you're just always finding something wrong with the church, well, you're going to find something wrong with every church you go to. Um, but there is going to be some good times where like someone just needs to make a change and God's calling you to do that and that makes perfect sense. Uh, first, obviously, is doctrinal or biblical error. That's not just the pastor made a mistake, right? But that they're actually teaching and putting in their statement of faith and you're hearing in their messages, uh, sermons and their teachings, Bible studies and small groups that, that are clear biblical, uh, not truth biblically, I should say. Um, now, this is, this is, again, not just a one-time thing, but it's becoming repetitive. It's becoming the, the direction they're going. Um, and it should be very clear. We're not talking about the nuanced differences that churches have been disagreeing for years. Um, you know, the very gray kind of areas. I don't think, I mean, if it's really important to you, fine. But uh, those are tough hills to die on. They have to be doctrines that are clear scripturally. And someone's just saying, I don't care. We don't care that the Bible says that. We believe this. Um, it's probably time to leave. It's definitely time to leave your church, right? Um, two, if there's clear sinning going on, clear, and it's, and it's not repentant, and it's not being dealt with, especially by the leadership, right? If there's something going on and no one's doing anything about it, no one's talking about it, they're just covering it up, um, that's not a kind of local church that's gonna be healthy for you, right? Three, vision that's not biblical. Um, you know, and this is sometimes hard. Like, what does that mean? Uh, because, you know, we can have different ways of going about the vision of, the, of, a, of a local church. I just think if over a substantial period of time you see a church weighing, uh, really making their, their um, whole purpose be about some social issue, political issue, uh, something like that. Um, I'm not saying they don't weigh in here and there on those things. I'm just saying like it's, this is why we do it and we're really not going to focus on the truths of scripture, the gospel of Jesus Christ. We're going to focus on you know these kinds of social issues only. Um, I think that's a church that's going to be unhealthy because that's not our, our job. Social issues will come up. Social issues will be important, but um, ultimately we're about the gospel of Jesus Christ and seeing lives change through that, right? Um, so maybe the last thing is just typically the one that we get is, wow, I just don't feel like I'm growing as a Christian. And that may be true, but here's what you have to ask yourself. Have you done 
everything you can within the local church. It's still a solid church, the teaching's solid, the people, right, there's all those other things I've, I've mentioned, that's not the case for you, but you're just, eh, not feeling it. Okay, have you joined a small group? Have you joined a Bible study? Are you really paying attention to the sermons, even if they're not as exciting as maybe someone you see online? Um, are you, uh, in, have you committed to ministry, gotten to know people, done what, <coughs> excuse me, what you can do, um, and it's just not happening. You're not growing. Maybe there are no opportunities to grow or, you know, then you can consider leaving. But at least make sure that you've made the attempt. You're just not doing it something based on a, on a feeling. And whatever you do when you go to a different, a new church, don't bring your complaints with you. Um, don't start complaining about the previous church with the new church. It's just, it's not a good look. It doesn't help that church. It doesn't help you. It's not God honoring. Um, if you need help, you go see your pastor. Maybe the your new pastor can help you work through, um, you know, whatever issues you might have had. That's fine. But to just bring it up to whoever will listen, that's gossip and that's wrong. Don't bring that to your new church. They don't want it, right? Okay. All right. Secondly, did God enact any punishment or negative consequences to the Israelites for making a treaty with the Gibeonites? Who deceived them in Joshua chapter 9? If not, why? Okay, so this is a very specific question. I like it, but it's something a little, some, but probably a lot of you are like, oh, Gibeonites, that's one of those ites, the, the termites, the, you know, parasites and all that. Um, and so in, in back in Joshua 9 that the questioner mentions, um, that basically there, Joshua is leading the Israelites in the promised land and God has said, you need to completely eradicate um, these other peoples, which is a whole nother question for another day. So I'm not gonna get into it. But um, they, and, and he says, don't make any treaties with them. Don't, you know, whatever. Don't, uh, d don't allow any of them to live. And so the Gibeonites hear about this and they're one of the groups within that promised land. And they lie, they say, they deceive Joshua and they deceive the Israelites and say, we're from a far off land. So a far off land would have been okay for, for them to make a treaty with. It's the people within the land that God directed them to. So because they were deceived, they make this treaty with them and then find out, oops, right? But they've made the treaty not to kill them. Uh, and so what they do is they make them their slaves, basically. Like, they, you can work for us. We're not going to kill you because we made a treaty, but you're, you're going to work for us. And the question, you know, what ended up happening is, is the Gibeonites stay around, right? Um, but Saul, we're not told this um, when this happened in Scripture, but we're, we're told about this later on under David's reign, is that King Saul um, and his sons actually killed a bunch of Gibeonites. You know what it is, Gibeonites. And uh, David actually asked them, what should we do about it? And they said, kill some of Saul's sons, and he did. So a lot of violence, a lot going on there. But ultimately the question is, did God punish Israel because they weren't supposed to make a treaty? And it doesn't seem like he did, except for the natural punishment of consequences. There's a reason why God said, don't let people stay, they're going to affect you. And the people that were in the land, including them, affected Israel, right? But it, it probably, really the only learning thing there for Joshua and Israel was they should have sought out the Lord. They didn't. Uh, stated very clearly, they did not sought us to um, ask the Lord if they should make this treaty, and they did. <clears throat> so then they had to honor it. So it doesn't seem that God actually punished them um, at all for that misstep, okay? All right, lastly. During Old Testament times, could a person who was not Jewish become a believer of God and be blessed by God? Um, and be saved, right, by their faith. And, and, the, and the answer to that is yes. They're called God-fearers. 
Uh, so they are Gentiles who, who embraced as one God, the God of Israel, uh, and worshiped him. And they would as much as they could uh, pray and, and follow the way of, an Israel, of a Jewish person. Um, they were never fully accepted into the covenant of Abraham because they're not part of Abraham's family. That covenant was made to them. Uh, so they still were put their faith in God and therefore would be saved by their faith, but they were never fully under the covenant promises, right? Um, a perfect example you see in Acts is a, a eunuch, an Ethiopian eunuch, who Philip preaches the gospel to. He's coming from worshiping with Jewish people, but he's not a full Jew himself because he's not from the line of, of Abraham, from the tribes of Abraham. And so uh, the, the beautiful thing about the gospel is he gets baptized, comes to Christ, and there are no more walls and no more barriers because the covenant of, of, of the new covenant is for all who believe, whether they are a Jew or a Gentile, those walls are bro broken down. So they could to a certain degree, but the beautiful thing is today, all who call on the name of the Lord Jesus Christ will be saved and be placed in the family of God. All right? Okay, good questions. We'll see you next week. Make sure you go to cornerstonebv.org. Ask, drop down, media page, ask, you know, you know the routine. Ask your questions and we'll see them in a future episode. And hopefully we'll see you worshiping with us this weekend. Great uh, weekend planned. So love to have you with us either Saturday at 5 or Sunday at 9 or 11. See you then.